You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This Is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This Is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, your host back with another episode down at the Oklahoma History Center today back at the Oklahoma History Center uh, it's been a couple of years since I've been here to do a podcast I did one with Rachel a while back um, which went really well um, but I have the director of the, of the um, Oklahoma History Center with me today Mr. Trey Thompson um, who is a Texan but I think as the same as I I, I can't really say anything right because I'm not even from America <laughs> but um, you're probably the, the, the words that I get from a friend said that you're an Oklahoman by choice. Um, and obviously you set your roots here, you came to college here, went to ORU and, and, and clearly in a great position today. Um, but we're going to talk about the history and how you get to this job uh, and growing up and, and how your love for history you know, weaves its way through your story and then you could get presented by this opportunity after working on the Capitol restoration, which I'm sure was a lot of fun, a lot of headache at the same time. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to talk about that, you know, as we do with these podcasts, we will set some context. Um, so tell us a little bit about kind of your upbringing and, and when you, where you were born and raised. Well, thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure to be on uh, your podcast. I've, I've listened to several episodes, and uh, you always do such a great job, and uh, it's a thrill for me to be here. Uh, I was born in San Angelo, Texas, and uh, my uh, parents uh, divorced when I was about five years old, mm-hmm. and so uh, raised by a single mother for a few years until my mom married my stepdad. Mm-hmm. And uh, we moved to Brady, Texas uh, when I was about in third grade. And for those of you who don't know, Brady, Texas is famous for a couple of things. It's a real small town in the middle of nowhere in central yeah. Texas. But the first thing is, is that the geographic center of Texas is in our county. Okay. So we are the true heart of Texas down there. And then every Labor Day weekend, we have the World Championship Barbecue Goat Cook-Off. Okay. And so that... Uh, our little town of 5,000 swells to about 30,000 that weekend yeah. with all the people that come in for that big festival. So those are our two claims to fame. But uh, I, um, I grew up in a farming and ranching family. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my stepdad uh, had been, his family had been in the the area for several generations and he uh, farmed wheat and cotton and uh, we had cattle and so uh, I became a farm kid um, about the time I was in the fourth or fifth grade and uh, uh, from that time on I I spent all my spare time that I wasn't doing school and activities we were working on the farm either Mm -hmm. working cattle or hauling hay or uh, you know driving the tractor and plowing and all those things that you do on the yeah. farm and so I'm thankful for that upbringing because it really does give you a great work ethic right and it shows you you know I started out probably when I was fourth or fifth grade chopping cotton which is basically walking up and down cotton rows in the middle of the summer chopping weeds out of the cotton <laughs> and I made a dollar an hour so uh, that's that yeah. was my introduction to, to you know good honest American labor I mm-hmm. suppose and then uh, um, you know, graduated from high school in Brady, uh, a class of 90 people. So it kind of shows you, yeah, you know, yeah. a very small town. 
And uh, I decided to come to Oklahoma to go to Oral Roberts University. And uh, a few deci- different decisions led to that. We, My parents had come to uh, Tulsa for a Christian conference at Victory Christian Center. Mm-hmm. And I went and toured the campus and really liked it and then came for a college weekend my junior year of college. Yeah. And um, I just loved, I loved the campus. I loved the professors. I liked the smaller atmosphere, Mm -hmm. you know, the idea that you could kind of get to know your professors and you weren't sort of like one person in a sea of 100,000 people. And uh, so I I went to ORU from 1996 to 2000 and then graduated in uh, 2000. It is pretty much the most beautiful campus in the state, isn't it? It's a really unique campus, yeah. and, and I don't think I appreciated it enough. You know, if you love sort of mid-century modern architecture, mm-hmm. it's it's your haven there. Right. And it's all of the architecture has symbolism. Uh, at the time I was there, I thought it was just kind of weird architecture. But yeah. now, the more I've, I've grown to appreciate different types of architecture, it really is a unique and fascinating campus. And, yeah, and yeah. Uh, if people haven't had a chance to go there, they certainly should because Definitely. it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. So so going then then from high school and, and making the decision to, decision to go to ORU, had you already decided kind of like your career path and what you wanted to do? No, I really had no idea. Um, in high school, I got inspired with history when I was really in high school. Mm-hmm. I had a, my teacher, I took, I took, honors classes and AP classes. And so my teacher was, had a doctorate and uh, his name was Dr. Bill Graves. And he was just this fascinating guy. Mm-hmm. I remember he, he probably weighed oh, 130 or 40 pounds soaking wet, super skinny guy, really tall. But, and it was such a, you know, an oddity to have a PhD as a high school teacher in right. Brady, Texas. I'm sure, you know, in bigger cities, that was more the norm. But he he loved history and he, you know, he was a storyteller and he would walk around. I remember one time he was talking about World War One in one of our classes. And we were, I was sitting at my desk and he's talking about the average life expectancy of someone in no man's land was 10 seconds. So yeah. he'd walk around and he counted it down. And then I remember when he got to 10, he came over and he slammed his hand down on my desk. My books went flying everywhere. And he's like, Mr. Thompson, you're dead. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, my eyes were as big as dinner plates. But I was just, I was captivated with yeah. it. And he was also a very hard teacher. I mean, mm-hmm. you if you made an A in his class, it was because you earned it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what really turned on my love for history. And I thought about majoring in history in college, but I talked myself out of it because I've got a real practical brain and I just thought, what am I going to do with a history degree? Am I, you know, I, you know, so I thought, I will, I'll be a finance major because if you know how to use money, then there'll always be a place for you. The practical side of me won out. So I I was a finance major at ORU, which was great. I I love my classes and my professors and love my classes and I learned a lot. Um, But I never really kind of quite went into that field. Right. And really for, you know, the next few years, it's really, uh, I'm just... You know, you're in your early 20s. You're trying to find yourself, figure out what you like and what uh-huh. you don't like. I went to work for a company, MCI Worldcom, which was a big major telecom company uh-huh. back in those days, and uh, they had a they had a, a office north of Tulsa. 
And I worked in uh, the wholesale dispute resolutions department, and I learned all about telecom and all those kinds of things. And and I worked with some great people, but the work was just soul sucking. It was so boring, <laughs> and it was just you know the movie Office Space came out in '99, and yeah. it really was like that. It was did you get your TPS reports in? And yeah. so I I started thinking this this is not the route for me, and I was right. trying to figure out what I wanted to do. In the meantime, I get real involved in politics. And I, and I just love politics and public policy. And I met uh, someone who had gone to the Bush School of Government at Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, President Bush 41 had put his policy school in his library at Texas A&M University. Mm-hmm. Well, my brother had gone to Texas A&M, and I'd gone to visit him several times. And I just loved the school and loved yeah. the campus. And so I decided, okay— I'm going to go to a and I'm going to major in public administration. I want to switch careers. I want to get into, you know, more of the, the public yeah. policy side of things. And so in 2005, uh, I went down there and, and started school. I'd just gotten married a few weeks before, which I don't necessarily recommend you just get married and start a whole new life chapter because that's yeah. a really hard way to start a marriage. We right. moved down there. We don't know anybody. It's a whole new world down there. And uh, so, but I'm going, I'm, I'm going to grad school for two years and I, mm-hmm. and I go full time down there for two years. And I have some great opportunities while I'm there. The, the summer in between my first and second year of grad school, I got to intern at the White House, which was it's pretty impressive. Fascinating yeah. and fun and, and yeah. you know, great experience. And um, and then I graduate in 2007, and uh, I go to work after that for the city of San Antonio in their budget department. And once again, I find myself, oh, I hated it. It was, it was such a uh, – I, I had managers who I didn't like at all, and, and they were very demanding but didn't, you know, kind of – there was no training to teach you how to do mm-hmm. what to do. And it was just a terrible environment. And so I lasted four months there. And I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm out of this. I'm, I've got to figure out what to do. And so I got a job uh, in uh, Tulsa again, mm-hmm. got back to Oklahoma, which, you know, what's funny is growing up in Texas, I thought, oh, okay, I, now I'm back. In, I'm in San Antonio and yeah. I can live in Texas. And I thought it would be great. But it just, it just didn't jive with me. And, I, and when I got back to Tulsa, it felt like coming home again. Right. And uh, so we have, uh, my wife and I have our first, uh, our first kid when uh, my son was born in 2007, late 2007. And so um, I get a job with a, a company called the Persimmon Group. They're, they were kind of a new consulting firm there. And so I'm going to do more of what I want to do. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to, um, uh, we had a job uh, contracting Kansas with the state of Kansas. And so I'm getting to work on that a little bit and some other contracts as well. Uh, ended up getting laid off in 2009 from that job because, you know, the economy. With everybody else. Yeah. Right? yeah. The economy kind of craters. And, and, you know, the first thing to go is always consulting. consulting and yeah. uh, so then I'm kind of at a quandary again. I was like, okay, what am I going to do mm-hmm. now? Um, and then my friend, Matt Pinnell, calls me and uh, he says, hey, I'm, I've got this job with this group called American Majority and they're teaching you know, there's a lot of organizations that teach political candidates how to run for office if okay. they're going to like run for Congress or U.S. Senate, but nobody teaches school board candidates, sure. city council candidates, and, that. and so they were kind of carving out that niche. And I thought, well, this this could be fun. Yeah. And it was a pay cut, but it was getting more into the line of what I wanted to do. So I worked for American Majority for about a year and a half. 
And then I get an opportunity to uh, go work for uh, Mary Fallon's mm -hmm. political campaign. She's running for governor at the time in her first term. And so uh, June of 2010, I get on with, with Governor Fallon. And um, I, I work as one of her field representatives in Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Once again, I meet some great people. And through that job, I meet my future boss, uh, Brian Bingman, who was going to be the new president pro tem of the Oklahoma Senate. Yeah. And when he was coming in, uh, his policy director was leaving to go work for uh, work in D.C. And so I interviewed for the job and, and yeah. lo and behold, I get it. So here we come to Oklahoma City. Yeah. And uh, we my, now my wife grew up in Mustang, so it was kind of coming home yeah. for her. And so, do you guys meet at school? No, my wife and I met after school. Okay. Uh, I had been involved in a young adults group at church, mm -hmm. and one of my friends at our young adults group had gone to college with gotcha. Sarah, and she kind of put us together. Yeah, of course we hit it off, and and uh, we get married. We got married in June of '05. Awesome. So yeah. So you get the job down here then? Yeah, so I, I get the job with uh, Brian Bingman, and uh, great guy. So for four years, I'm his legislative director, and I'm his policy advisor in the Oklahoma Senate. Mm -hmm. And this was from uh, really basically the end of 2010 till the middle of 2014. And I, I absolutely loved it. I yeah. mean, it was, you talk about finally fi finding your niche and finding where you belong. Right. That was where I was. I loved getting involved in the wonky policy details. I got to work on all kinds of interesting projects. I got, you know, tax projects and transportation and corrections and, you yeah. know, all of those policy ideas that you study in grad school and you get jazzed up about. And uh, But one of the things that I got to work on was the Capitol. Mm -hmm. And this is all during the time. So right when I first started working there, they have chunks of the building that are falling off. Right. And then uh, they put up the yellow barricades out in front so people don't go up there and get hit in the head with a piece of stone that's fallen off the building. And um, my boss is pretty passionate about getting the building fixed. Mm -hmm. But the House of Representatives at that time was very anti-bond. And, you know, they, they didn't want to pass any bond issues. So mm -hmm. in 2012, um, there was a bill that, that passed out of the Senate flew off the floor, it passed pretty easy, to give, I think, $160 million uh, in a bond issue to yeah. restore the capital. Goes over to the House, it gets 15 votes. It, it takes 51 to pass something yeah. other. So it just dies, it you know, goes right. down in flames. And then the next year, uh, they pass a bill uh, that actually gets passed out of both houses and signs by the governor to mm -hmm. provide funding for the capital. But it was also tied in with the bill. In the same bill was a tax cut. And the, somebody sued on that, and the, and the Supreme Court said it's log rolling. You can't have two okay. separate subjects in the same bill. So they tossed it out. Yeah. So finally, third time's the charm in 2014. A, a bill, a clean bill passes, a bond bill for $120 million. Okay. And at the time, I, I really started thinking, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm passionate about the Capitol. The pro tem had put me as one of his designees on the Capitol Preservation uh -huh. Commission. So I had gotten, you know, really in, invested in trying to get the Capitol fixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I go and talk to Preston Dorflinger in the summer in 2014, and I say he was the Preston was the director of OMES, and OMES had been tasked with um, 
uh, with administering the Capital Restoration Project. Uh, for those of you who don't know, OMES stands for Office of Management Enterprise Services. It's the mm-hmm. state's administrative agency. And you know, I'm talking to Preston, and I just say, "Hey, I, you know, I've got a, I've got project management in my background." I said, "I think you're going to need someone on the. This is going to be the most high-profile state construction project right. maybe ever, because you've got the legislature in the building, you've got mm-hmm. multiple state agencies in the building. So you, I think you're going to need someone who understands how to." work with mm-hmm. political leaders because we had a construction and properties department and um, but you know they're pretty much the guys that are just sort of you know they're administering the project but politics doesn't often enter into the case on right. most of the projects that they that they work on I said this one's going to be a little bit different this is a different one yeah, I'd, different I'd like animal. to throw my hat in the ring for mm-hmm. helping with this project in some way yeah and so uh, that later that summer, you know, he calls me up. We we interview and we talk and everything. He says, "Well, yeah, I'd like you to come on board and and be the project manager." Yeah. So um, I step into a world that I, you know, you, you kind of look back in hindsight and you're like. What was I thinking? <laughs> he hands you a, vis, a high-vis jacket and a hard hat, says, off yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, you know, I'd never done a construction project right. before. I didn't know beans from potatoes about construction. Mm-hmm. And really early on, that was my job wasn't to know construction. My job was really to be that hub to clear the way for the construction people to be able to do what they do. So really right. to interact with the folks in the building. We had an oversight committee, so I was working with the oversight yeah. committee uh, to make sure that they're communicate with, that they know what's going on, and to make sure that we're we're moving the project along. Mm-hmm. And then I'm handling a lot of the logistics inside of the building. Just if we need people to move from this office to this office yeah. or move to clear out a whole wing. And I'm working with the media a lot and, and you know mm-hmm. keeping the media informed about what we're doing and we you know we we start doing youtube videos to keep people informed we form a website we get a logo we do the whole nine yards because it was really important to me that with this much money being spent and it being the people's house that the people understand what's going on and i didn't want this to be a project that was done in secrecy Mm -hmm. something that you know because there was a lot of misconceptions about the project early on people thought it was just going to be a remodeling project yeah that we're going to go in and we're going to make legislators offices nicer and that kind of thing and but at the heart of it it's an infrastructure project i mean Everything in that building was failing, from the electrical system to the plumbing to the roof to the windows. This was really about making the building viable and useful for another hundred years. Yeah. And, of course, through that process, you're making things nicer. There was a lot of what I call just patchwork quilt design that over the years people had come in and they'd built an office out into a corridor. Yeah. Or they needed a new door so they put on a door that didn't match any of the other doors to the point you had 30 40 50 different kinds of doors through the building all different eras of design you'd walk into one office area and it looked like 1972 another looked like 1992 (laughs) and so when you're talking about the state capitol you want to bring it all together into a consistent design of course you want modern plumbing modern electrical Mm -hmm. one of the big things we had to do was uh, modernize the security systems and so we tripled the number of cameras and now we go from analog cameras to digital cameras. Um, you, we expanded the elevator shafts and put in put in new elevators. Right. 
we put in um, everything from 80% of the building wasn't fire sprinkled before. And so wow. we had to modernize yeah. that. A lot of the building wasn't ADA compliant. So we had to go through and do all of that work. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we're talking about making improvements. And then you're also talking about how does the legislature and the, the building function? The Capitol is, is a unique building because it's three different things. Mm -hmm. Most buildings are one thing. The Capitol is seat of government. So people have to be able to come to the building, right. interact with their legislators. The legislature has to be able to do its job. Mm -hmm. It's also an office building. You have to be able to hook up to the internet. You have right. to have Wi-Fi. You have to have a nice environment for people to be able to do their work. But yeah. it's also a museum. It's an art museum. Mm -hmm. And uh, before you know the project started, there's there's art pieces of priceless value all throughout the whole building. And so you have to design a you have to design it in a way and fix it in a way that it serves all three of those functions right. well. And that was our goal and our job. And so we start out in 2014. We do all of our investigations. I, we knew early on that the, the project was not, going, was not fully funded. We, we went to Kansas. We talked to them. Kansas had done 10 different bond issues and finally gotten to a $330 million project. Yeah. But one of the things that they told us was, get your funding up front. That way you can plan it all up front mm -hmm. and you can be efficient with how you utilize your resources. Right. So they had construction companies that were kind of coming and going, design and redesign. Mm. And there's been a little bit of that in, in our capital project, but not near like they had. And they told us, if you get your funding up front, you can save, we could have saved $50 million in our project. So that yeah. was the message. We go back to the legislature in 2016, they passed another $125 million bond issue to get the project right. to full funding. And that was a game changer for us because now we can execute the full vision, right. get the whole building where it needs to be, and uh, so we systematically work our way through the building. We phase all of the construction work so that from February to May every year when the legislature's meeting, we don't, uh, we don't interfere in those legislative spaces. Mm -hmm. But from June to January, we go hardcore in the legislative yeah. spaces. You know, whether it's offices, their conference rooms, right. their, uh, you know, their lounges, their restrooms, whatever it is because we have to get their work done to be able to turn it over to them in time for yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the next session in February. So that's how we phased the work. We initially looked at, at vacating the building, but our problem became where do you hold the legislative right. session? Yeah. And so you know, do you spend $20 million of precious resources to go retrofit another building like the old armory? Right. Or do you have to rent? I mean, you yeah. we'd have to rent something like the convention center to have enough space for everybody to operate. So it just became untenable. And so we decided to, to, to do it in an occupied building mm -hmm. and just phase around the building. Yeah. And it's hard. There's weird noises. There's smells. There's dust. I mean... Mm -hmm. The people that have made it through the eight years of construction of that building, they really deserve a prize because <laughs> they've had to go through some pretty right. you know, annoying circumstances for sure. But uh, thankfully here in February, the, the project will be finished. It'll be fully done, yeah. And uh, the whole building top to bottom will have been completely redone. Right. And, um, and it's beautiful. Uh, I'm so proud of how it turned out. I yeah. couldn't have imagined back in 2014 that it was going to turn out as amazing as yeah. it has. And, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, right, you're rebuilding or renovating, you know, making this building safe, like you said, for a hundred, it's an investment for the next hundred years, right, or more. And, you know, 
for you and, and having that love of history, right? It's such a cool point to be a part of. You know, you're like, I was a part of this. I saw everything. We did everything. Uh, and it's funny you mentioned Matt earlier. When I interviewed Lieutenant Governor Pinnell, it was during that time. It was um, it was fair, my, uh, December 2019 when I did the interview with him at his office. Yeah. And you're right, I walked in, I'm like, we've gone back in time here. Yeah. It's just like wood paneling everywhere. Um, but it was really interesting to, to go through, right, and just kind of see different sections. And we're walking, we're walking down the hallway, and he's like, yeah, this, this is just a wall right now. Like, this will be opened up. This has just been put up just so we don't have to see or hear too much noise. Um, but yeah, an amazing project. And you're right, you're in, you're in the limelight. You're, in the, you're under the spotlight for not just all the legislator, but all the people, right? Because you talk about spending, you know, total, was it $240, $250 million? Yeah, the, so total $245 million bond issue. We earned interest and premium on those bonds. Yeah. So la at last I checked, that the project will come in for about $280 million, yeah. which is still uh, less expensive than Kansas, than Minnesota, mm -hmm. and, and several other capital projects. Yeah. So you had your hands full for eight years, pretty much. It, you know, it was... One of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, but yeah. also one of the most valuable things. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it will be something that I'll always look at that building and be immensely proud of. Right. Um, I had a chance to have a hand in restoring this awesome temple of democracy mm -hmm. for the next several generations of Oklahomans to be able to use, to yeah, enjoy. Yeah. You know, the capital is... It's... It's the place where people go to have their voice heard. Yeah. And whether it's a rally outside on the steps or whether it's people going inside and interacting mm -hmm. with their legislators, I mean, this is the place where people come to to have their voice heard. Right. And uh, I'm glad that it's going to be around for at least another 100 years. And yeah. then after that, it'll be somebody else's responsibility to keep it going for the next 100 years. No but doubt. it's a beautiful building. It's an amazing building. It's it's a testament to uh, Oklahoma's fortitude yeah. and drive. And, and, you know, we were a young state when it was built, and it mm -hmm. was the pride of our state. And I still think it's the pride of our state. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, for me, I get to see people take photos of it. You know, we got the Guardian on top and just some amazing drone shots and everything else. It's it's great to share that to, to the page and stuff. And like you said, now know that, it, you know, it, it's been done done properly you know, and, and spent money to do it right and, and taken a long period of time, but, but it will last. Uh, but doing all this stuff, there's obviously, an, you know, you, like I think what you put in your, your bio is that you're working yourself out of a job, yeah. right? <laughs> like, I mean, this is a great project to be doing, but I'm not going to have a job at the end of it. You know, it's not like there's a seat in an office waiting for you. Yeah, you know, and, and I had had some conversations with some folks at leadership at OMES about transitioning to another role within OMES, and nothing had really firmed up at mm -hmm. that point. And I kind of always had it in the back of my head that I would like to, to be an agency leader. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, I was just kind of being patient along the way. I was getting some job offers from, you know, some different folks. And even in the construction industry, people, you know, I, I had a few offers for to go work for some different companies. And, you know, I was just kind of biding my time and not getting in too much of a hurry. I, I didn't want to leave the project too early. Yeah. Uh, I wanted when I left the project, I wanted to make sure that it was going to be 
everything was going to be in a good place, mm -hmm. that whoever came after me could pick right up and just basically land the plane. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and that's essentially what happened. You know, I left the project in, in January of this year of 2021 mm -hmm. with about a year left to go on the project. And by then, all the hard decisions had been made. Right. All of the all of the really really difficult and complex work had been done. It was it was then just a matter of someone coming in and uh, and OMS assigned a gentleman named Paul Haley to to complete the project. And Paul has been an architect in the construction and properties department for years and years, and he's phenomenal and he's doing a great job of finishing out the project. And I'm still somewhat involved because you know, of course, I still know everybody over right. there, and I still go over and and tour the work. And occasionally, people will call me and say, "Well, Trey, what about this?" And you know, because I've got seven years of of the history kind of in my right. mind. And uh, people will, will ask different questions and say, no, this was what we were doing. This is why we did this. This is why we designed that that yeah. way. And so, um, so I'm still involved to a small degree, but, um, but I'm proud of, of that work. Um, like I said, when, when we were going through the project, all the time we would find places where workers who had worked in different areas had written their names, yeah. had written the date. And even when the building was being built, we'd, we'd pull open a wall, there'd be a piece That's of cool. aluminum ductwork, and somebody had written their name and the date on that. Yeah. And the reason that they do that is because they knew that that building was going to be around, yeah. right? Yeah. They knew that somebody at some point was going to find their name, mm -hmm. that, that their name was going to live on somewhere, yeah, and that, yeah. that if you want to write it on any building, Write it on the Capitol because they know that, you it's know, 100, 200, 300 years, it's still going to be there. Yeah. So that's the thing about the Capitol mm -hmm. is it's it's constant. And to have to have had a hand in that, I'm just immensely proud of yeah, that yeah, and, yeah. and feel very privileged that I got to be a part of it. No doubt. Uh, so during this time, then you're coming, like, like I said, you're leading up to, you know, the end of 2020. Uh, Mr. Blackburn announces that he's done he's done all his work he wants to step down and you know take a take some rest of well-earned time off right and retire yeah I mean, have you guys been friends before this like how does that connection come to you thinking you know what, i'm gonna step right across the street and start working right here so i first met dr blackburn when i worked in the pro tems office in mm -hmm. the senate and uh, dr blackburn had been advocating one of the big things they were advocating for is the okay pop museum in tulsa yeah and uh, he was trying to get funding for that. And, and I remember meeting with him in the Pro Tem's office and having those discussions. Mm -hmm. And uh, Pro Tem Bingman was supportive of, of that idea. And, and I thought it was a great idea to be able yeah. to highlight, you know, our rich popular culture history in the state. But then over the years, you know, we just we interact in, in different ways. You know, I might see him at a speech or, uh -huh. you know, we might work together. And then when the Capitol Project comes, we work really closely with the history, uh, with the Historical Society, because it's everything from uh, one of the first things we needed was old photographs of the construction of the building. So we could see oh, how it was put right. together yeah. and doing our research to figure out how best to, to fix yeah. it. So all those photos are here in the archives and we're working with. Uh, we're working 
with the folks over here in the research department. We work with um, the SHPO department, which is a state historic preservation office. One of the things that we wanted to do was make sure that we are, even though we weren't required to use the Secretary of the Interior guidelines, yeah. we wanted to do that to the best of our ability because it's a historic building. We want to yeah. take care of it. We want to treat it right. So we're working with the SHPO department on that. We had different projects like in, in uh, 2017 was the 100th anniversary of the building. Mm -hmm. So we work with uh, the Historical Society to plan festivities and activities that celebrate the building. Right. And so we have different opportunities over the years to work together. And so when Dr. Blackburn announced that he was retiring, you know, I had a meeting with him and I just said, hey, you know, I'm really interested in this job. Of course, he knows by then, you know, right. I'm passionate about history. In fact, one of the proudest moments of my life, I think, was uh, a reporter had called over here to uh, to Dr. Blackburn's office and wanted some uh, to talk about the history of the Capitol. Yeah. And Dr. Blackburn tells him, call Trait. He knows more about that than I do at this point. That's I'm just awesome. like, what? Yeah. I'm like, no way. Right. So I just feel immensely proud about that because, you know, if there's a Mount Rushmore of Oklahoma historians, Dr. Blackburn is one of the first Front and faces center, on. Yeah. <laughs> so I... I I had had done tons of research on the building and, and even done, you know, I just, I have never felt like I can live in a place unless I know it's history. Okay. It, to me, it makes me feel connected to that place, even though my family didn't grow up here, mm -hmm. even though, you know, I, you know, my lineage is not a, a direct part of it, of the history. I can say happily, I, it is now. It is um, now, yeah. But, um but I, I can't feel like I belong unless I know the history of a place. So I, I've always been uh, really into Oklahoma history and learning the history, and it's a fascinating history. But um, um, I go and talk to Dr. Blackburn, and, and I say, listen, you know, if I applied for this job, do you think I would have a shot at it? Because, mm -hmm. you know, I wanted to see if I would be taken seriously or if it was, no, you need a little more experience right. in X, Y, or Z. I'm not an academically trained historian. I didn't know if that's what the board might be looking for. Yeah. And he said, he said, no, he said, I think you would be, you know, really well considered for this. He said, your experience and running this massive project on the state capitol, your experience right. in, in state government with uh, working in the pro tem's office, he said, I, I think you would have skills that they would find valuable. So, you know, I put in my application yeah. and, and just kind of wait to see where things go and uh, ended up getting uh, interviewed by a few of the board members. And um, next thing I know, last November, they're calling me into a board meeting yeah. to say, you know, you're going to be the, the next director. And I really feel like the dog who caught the car at that right. point because yeah. I'm just, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect about uh, about this whole adventure. But I I just I could not have found a better fit. Right. Um, I love the, I love the mission of this agency to collect, preserve and share Oklahoma's history. Mm -hmm. I love the people that I get to work with. They're passionate about what yeah. uh, what they do. I mean, this weekend and at Honey Springs Battlefield, there people are giving up their weekends to yeah. be out there. We're doing a reenactment. We're a staff that that don't even work there are going out there to help yeah. out with that. It's just the kind of passion that you see from the people in this agency for right. for what we do. And so I feel very, very fortunate to be a part of it. Yeah. What, um, I guess that transition period, right? You know, and you mentioned before we started recording that you got to spend some time with Dr. Blackburn before he did, you know, retire. 
and driving around and just, I mean, picking his brain and being, you know, shadowing him really, right, for that amount of time. Yeah, I, um, I, um, he, I started January 1st of uh, this year and he didn't retire till the end of January. Mm -hmm. And it was great to have that month with him because he just kind of moved into the office next door to here. And, you know, he, he was very respectful. People, if people came to him, he'd say, well, Trey's the leader now. You need to talk to Trey. So he was very respectful of that. But we traveled all over the state because we have 26 museums and sites across the state. We have everything from historic homes to battlefields, to forts, to museums. Mm -hmm. I've got a working bison and cattle ranch in Pawnee. Uh, so we've got a little bit of everything yeah. all over the place. And so we were traveling, and we would just be having these great conversations. We'd talk about history. We'd talk about movies we liked. And mm-hmm. it was really the first time that I'd ever had a chance to just have an extended amount of time with them. Right. And just one-on-one time. And uh, I, I, we just had a blast. And I realized that we have this really good rapport with each other, uh-huh. which is why I asked him to co-host the podcast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. So, um, so it's been great, and and we still uh, we still talk all the time. Yeah. Um, he's still involved in things that we're doing here, uh, more on a volunteer basis mm-hmm. now. But he's got different projects that that intersect with some of the things that we're doing here, and uh, I'm really thrilled and thankful to have that relationship yeah. with him. Twenty six sites. That's a lot of that's a lot of diversity, right? A lot of different things going on, and like I said, cattle ranch. Like it's. It is, and and we're spread across the state. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got I've got a site in Venita, and then all the way down diagonally to the southwest in Altus, we yeah. have a museum. We've got um, a, a site, an affiliate site in Historic Fort Supply near Woodward, and then all the way down to the southeastern part of the state in Fort Towson, which yeah. is almost to the very corner. And all points in between. And we're really diverse in what we do. You know, um, it's funny the things that the uh, purchasing requisitions I have to approve sometimes because it's like, well, can you approve uh, David to drive to Minnesota because we need a sheepdog? You know, (laughs) Um, because at Hunter's Home, we have a a living farm. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, we've got sheep and we needed a sheepdog. Yeah. Um, Can you approve, uh, you know, so-and-so has got to drive to uh, somewhere and pick up a load of hay, you know. It's, mm-hmm. So we are, um, we're very diverse in the history that we present, and it's um, yeah. African-American history, it's Native American history, mm-hmm. it's, um, uh, of course, uh, the history of the pioneers and the settlers who came to this state, it's politicians, yeah. it's, you know, it, it almost runs the gamut. I mean, in Spyro, we've got a prehistoric uh, archaeological site yeah. from Spyro Mounds and the Mississippian culture. So it's a little bit of everything, and uh, and it does. Uh, thankfully, we've got great staff at those sites who operate them, and we're working to, um, uh, you know, I've got a plan that I want to do to improve those sites right. and make them as visitor-friendly as possible. Yeah. And so, you know, really what we need to do is just get the word out more. Yeah. We need to We need to make sure that people... Uh, are aware of of the Oklahoma history that they can experience mm-hmm. in their area. So, is there anything? I mean, like I said, you've only been in this position since the start of the year. Is there anything that stood out to you? And no, no doubt you've learned so much about Oklahoma history that you didn't know. Is there anything that like really stood out to you, or just shocked you that why don't more people know about this? Why don't more people visit and and kind of 
Yeah, there's a couple of things, and and I could say something about every single site, but uh-huh. a couple of things stood out to me. First of all, Spyro, like I talked about just a minute ago, but people don't understand that pre-European, it Spyro Spyro uh, was one of the four main um, cultural centers of that Mississippian culture. Uh-huh. And there were others, one was uh, one was near St. Louis, there was others, in, a couple others, one in uh, Georgia, one in Alabama. Yeah, yeah. But Spyro was most likely one of the major sort of religious sites. Because when, in the 1930s, when they started excavating one of those uh-huh. mounds, which was a, a group of people who, who shouldn't have been doing it, but they they found artifacts from all over the country. Yeah, they found copper from up at the Great Lakes region. They found conch shells from down in Florida and and that area, and yeah. then all kinds of other artifacts. And at the height of of civilization there in Spyro, there were probably ten thousand people living mm-hmm. at that spot. Now you go out there today, you can't imagine it. It's sort of out in the middle of the nowhere, and it's yeah. by the Arkansas River. And but it was a thriving advanced civilization. Uh, when you look, go out there, and I encourage everyone to do it, it when you have a chance, go out for one of the equinox or the solstice walks. Mm-hmm. Because our interpreter, Dennis, out there, he does a fascinating job of talking about the history. But then when you yeah. see the sunset, you can see it set directly in line with those mounds. Now, you're talking about a people right. that you would think, well, they weren't advanced. They weren't scientific. you got to know what you're doing oh, yeah. to make that happen. I guarantee you. So they did something similar at the uh, at the, Nati- or at the new uh, First Americans Museum. Mm-hmm. They built the mound there, and they lined it up. Yeah. And there was a team of scientists <laughs> and architects and engineers that made sure that everything was lined, lined up perfectly. Up, yeah. and, we, and our prehistoric brothers and sisters did this back in the 700s and 800s. That's and so, uh, so it's a fascinating site, and it's a fascinating people, and it's a history we don't talk about very much mm-hmm. here in Oklahoma. The other one that I find fascinating, and, and I mentioned it a minute ago, is Honey Springs Battlefield. Mm-hmm. So in the, in the Civil War... You have uh, it's the the really the major battle of the Civil War here in Indian Territory. Now, Honey Springs is located a few miles north of Shakota, Oklahoma, near the all black town of Rentisville. And Honey Springs was a was a place where it's exactly what it says. It was a spring, so there was ample water available. It was a Confederate um, supply depot camp there. And in uh, July of 1863, which that may sound familiar because there's a couple other important battles uh, that happened that that month as well. Uh, Gettysburg and also the uh, uh, Vicksburg happened Mm -hmm. right around that time period. But July 17th of 1863, um, the Union general decides he's at Fort Gibson and he knows that the Confederates are amassing to come attack Fort Gibson. And he decides before they can join their forces together, he's going to come attack ahead of time, sort of a preemptive attack. So he marches down with his troops. But one of the most fascinating things about that battle is the majority of combatants in that battle were not white. They were Native American and they were black. Mm -hmm. And so the first Kansas uh, colored volunteer infantry regiment who had been based out of Fort Scott, Kansas, Mm -hmm. They were the very first black regiment to see action in the Civil War. Now, that's fascinating. That's very fascinating. Because we all are conditioned to think about the movie Glory, right? right? We think about the 54th Massachusetts, which was a very, I'm not negating the importance yeah. that they served. Uh, two of Frederick Douglass's sons served yeah. in the 54th Massachusetts. But the first Kansas 
was formed in 1862 as a militia. Mm-hmm. They see action later that year and in, in the fall of that year in Missouri. So they're the very first yeah. black regiment to see action in the Civil War. Then, uh, after the Emancipation Proclamation in 1863, they are mustered into the United States Army. Uh-huh. They, uh, they come down to Oklahoma because they guard a supply train down to Fort okay. Gibson. And uh, so then they fight at the Battle of Cabin Creek. Um, excuse me. <coughs> they fight at the Battle of Cabin Creek, mm-hmm. which is on their way to Fort Gibson. It's kind of a skirmish, but yeah. they proved themselves then. You know, the big question back then was, could they fight the same as white people could? Like, you know, would, right. they, would they exhibit courage? Would they fight the same way? Yeah. Now, of course, now that question to us is Clear. absurd. Yeah. But back in those days, that was the, right. the main question. Now, most of this regiment is made up of, of former enslaved people mm-hmm. from Missouri and from uh, Arkansas, yeah. a few from Oklahoma. But... Um, so they come down. So July 17th, 1863, major, there were 9,000 troops involved mm-hmm. in, in, this, uh, in this battle at Honey Springs. And they're the turning point. They're, they're, they're the center yeah. of the line. They're the ones that, that caused the Union victory at Honey Springs. Yeah. Now, that battle happens one day before the 54th Massachusetts does their major assault on Battery Wagner in South Carolina that's mm-hmm. portrayed in the movie Glory. Gotcha. Most people don't know this you stuff. Have no idea, yeah. And it's a history that I'm. I, I want to make sure that we get out there and that we tell this history because yeah. it's important. Um, this was uh, Honey Springs was probably the most culturally diverse um, battle mm-hmm. in in all of the Civil War. Yeah. The end effect of the battle was that it turned the tide of the Civil War in Oklahoma and returned control mm-hmm. of Indian territory to um, uh, the Union forces for the yeah. rest of the the rest of the war. But um, very, very important battle that uh, that I hope that we can do more to, to highlight. Right. And then, like you said, there's so many, there's stories like this of, at every center, right? There's something of significance and there's something that people need to learn. Um, well, I mean, other than going to the individual places, is there like a central hub that people can go to, website or whatever? Yeah, people can always go to our website, which is okhistory.org, mm-hmm. and uh, we've got all the information of all our different sites on there, and we've got tons of resources on different aspects of Oklahoma history yeah. on the website. If you want to learn about black or Native American history or just general Oklahoma history, yeah. we've got lots of resources for folks out there. And then the other you know, great way, for, and this is particularly for people that are doing primary research, we've got the Gateway to Oklahoma History. Mm-hmm. And on this, we've got literally millions of pages of documents Documents, whether it be newspapers or documents or photographs. Uh-huh. And people can go out there and keyword search what they're looking for. And so I use it all the time for yeah. different research. I mean, you can go look at newspapers from the 1920s, from 1930s, from even earlier than that, right. and then all the way up. And so it's a great resource, resource for people that are wanting to do their, their own research yeah. into Oklahoma history. And then, of course, um, um, we have a podcast uh, that uh, is our OHS podcast. It's called A Very Okay Podcast, and that's where we tell. Yeah. We're trying to highlight all these stories that people may not know about. And yeah. uh, so we started recording the podcast, and Dr. Blackburn and I are co-hosts of it, and we typically have a guest on that's talking about whatever the issue is. So that's another way we're trying to share Oklahoma. Oklahoma's history as right. well. But I would encourage people, go out to the, the actual sites and the museums. And then the, this building we're sitting in right yeah. now, the Oklahoma History Center, 
is a great place to come and just get a sort of good overview of Oklahoma history. And I yeah. guarantee you, you'll come here, you'll learn something you didn't know before, you'll see something you've never seen yes. before, um, and uh, you, you'll you'll want to come back because you probably won't be able to do everything you want to do in one sitting. hundred so. percent. Yeah. I uh, To that point, I interviewed Sam Anderson in this building um, who wrote Boomtown. Yeah. Uh, awesome dude. Uh, but yeah, you guys, uh, he came down to give a, give a speech, I think. Um, and one of the ladies at the time was like, you can record a podcast with him if you want. That's totally fine. I was like, yes, thank you so much. So I had 30 minutes with him, which was really cool. Um, but thanks so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy man. I really appreciate you sharing the history of the state and, and continue to do it. Um, hopefully you can find more time and you and Dr. Blackburn can record more than one episode a month, right? Which is the struggle I know because it's not easy to sit down and get three people together when you're all busy. Um, but I'm sure people really look forward to that and kind of just, you know, using that information and, and just hitting the road and listening to the podcast or traveling around the state. And um, there's so much out there. There's so much more that, that people can do. It's just finding a place for them to go do it, uh, find for them to find the place to find those things to do, if that makes sense to people listening. Can't get my words out. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we have such a great state. And... I catch myself saying that because I believe that I'm, I am now an Oklahoman, you know, we are Oklahomans now, yeah. aren't we? Uh, and we live here for a reason. We love what we do. Uh, and like you said, after, you know, 10 to 15 years of kind of searching for what you wanted to do, you found your, your place. You found your, you know, the place that you really enjoy doing things you love to do. Um, I'm sure you still use that finance degree, right? You know, oh, and, uh, just all that stuff. When you're running an agency, I mean, you know, it's, it's all about finance and yeah. it's all about making sure you're judicious with your resources. So the degree helps out a lot. And, uh, um, but yeah, thanks so much for having me on today and, and you do a great podcast and I've been a fan for a long Thank time. You. And, uh, Thanks so much. Yeah. Where can people follow you personally? Yeah. So uh, for me, uh, I'm I'm active on several social media platforms. Uh, Facebook, I kind of have locked down that I just family and close friends, but uh, uh, Twitter's open. So mm -hmm. at Trey Thompson, uh, T-R-A-I-T-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N on Twitter and same on Instagram. And yeah. uh, would love to interact with folks out there. Awesome. For everyone listening, I'll post those links in the description and we will catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of fame telling an oklahoma story through its people since 1927 for more information on the hall of fame go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on instagram for daily updates at oklahoma hof thank you for listening we are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories for more great oklahoma content Follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.